Well, over the past couple months, we've been engaging in some difficult questions, uh, questions that our friends, you know, our friends are asking, really we're asking. And uh, one of the ones that, um, really the, the question that sparked the genesis of this whole series is what we're going to be talking about today, questions about suicide. Now, I know that this is a sensitive topic um, that might hit close to home for many of you. Uh, in fact, just so that we can see how widespread of a topic this is, uh, if you've been personally affected by someone who has died by suicide, either a friend, a family member, or a friend of a friend, here at West Campus, Southwest Campus, Fire to Lose and online, can you just raise your hand if you've been personally affected? Yeah, just look around, right? Look around, you're not alone. Right, this is one of those issues that sadly, so many of us have been touched by. This isn't an issue over there somewhere. Uh, it's an issue that affects us here, more so as every month and year goes by. And that's why I wanted us to address questions about suicide by specifically addressing three questions today. Number one, what does the enemy say about suicide? Two, what does God say about suicide? And three, is suicide the unforgivable sin? Well, last week before I started our message on getting high, I, I shared the why, and I, I gave a few disclaimers, and I wanted to do the same thing today. So let's start with why. Well, suicide is rampant, uh, and it's growing here and around the world, uh, particularly here in Canada too, which is why we need to hear God's heart on this matter. According to Stats Canada, there are approximately 4,000 deaths by suicide every year, which means that's about 11 per day. A third of these deaths by suicide uh, are among people aged 46 to 59. Suicide is the second leading cause of death among youth and young adults 15 to 34 years old. And suicide rates are about three times higher among men compared to women. And those numbers, they don't even include the 5,368 um, opioid toxicity deaths that occurred last year in Canada. In Greater Edmonton, suicide is the leading cause of death by injury. And in Canada, over 90% of people who die by suicide have a diagnosable mental illness and or addictive disorder. And of those, about 60% suffer from depression. <sighs> Do you know the name Rick Warren? You might know him as the author of The Purpose Driven Life and uh, the pastor of Saddleback Church down in California. Uh, what you might not know, though, is that his 27-year-old son who struggled with mental illness died by suicide. According to Rick, after a fun evening as a family, his son took his life, quote, in a momentary wave of despair in their home, end quote. So according to Rick Warren, suicide is a permanent, irreversible attempt to solve a temporary problem. Let me read that again. Suicide is a permanent, irreversible attempt to solve a temporary problem. Now, while some suicides um, are deliberate, 
and some suicides do involve careful planning. According to several different studies by the Harvard School of Public Health, uh, many deaths by suicide happen very quickly from ideation to attempt. In fact, one study found that about 48% of those, um, of people who died by suicide uh, said it took them 10 minutes to go from ideation to attempt. 10 minutes. And then according to police and medical examiner reports, uh, they found that about a third of individuals under the age of 18 who, uh, who died by suicide or um, attempted suicide within the last, within the 24 hours before that attempt, uh, they were actually experiencing a crisis within 24 hours. This means you should never dismiss active suicidal thoughts. If you or someone you know are having active suicidal thoughts, uh, then this is an emergency and it does require professional help. So please call Access 24-7 after the service. And this is a free resource from our Alberta Health Services and they will help you. They are um, this professional and urgent help 24-7 uh, who will be able to help you with what you're experiencing right now. That number is 780-424-2424. So all of this leads to our first disclaimer. Okay, suicide is serious. Uh, last week I shared with you how I'm a pastor. I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a counselor, I'm not a psychiatrist, uh, which is why I sat down with Dr. Daniel Lee, who is a psychiatrist at the Alberta Hospital, uh, and he's the Edmonton uh, Zone Clinical Department Head for Addictions and Mental Health Service in Edmonton for Alberta Health Services. And when we sat down and talked about suicide, he helped me understand that it's not uncommon to have life problems uh, where someone wants to die and not be present. Okay, it's not that uncommon. Uh, but he said that it's important to distinguish between persistent thoughts and active planning. When that happens, quote, it has crossed from a life problem to a clinical problem and it needs a professional assessment. It's very difficult in a clinical condition for a person to simply think, choose, or will themselves out of suicidal thoughts without outside help, end quote. Okay, so suicide is serious. Our second disclaimer is that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, but we live in a fallen world. It's fascinating when you read through the Gospels, Jesus never distinguishes between physical health illness and mental health illness. He doesn't distinguish the both. And he, did, he, he knows this because we live in a fallen world and we are going to experience in this fallen world both physical and mental illness. And I love how Dr. Lee, who is both a psychiatrist and he is actually a very strong follower of Jesus, uh, I love how he explains mental illness. He says that mental illness cannot be explained simply as a character flaw or a weakness in personality or immature spirituality or a demonic stronghold or something that you can simply overcome through the strength of your will and commitment to faith and God. He says that this sort of one-dimensional view can lead to delays in getting help and treatment, and it can also fill someone with shame and isolate them from others. So instead of taking an either or simplistic approach 
Dr. Lee shared with me the importance of taking a both-and approach to mental illness. So consider this, quote, clinical mental illness is not either a spiritual problem with spiritual treatment or a medical condition with medical treatment. Rather, it's a holistic both-and. Pastoral, spiritual, and community care in combination with professional treatment are essential for when there is a mental illness. It's both-and. Our third disclaimer is that Suicide is for death, but God is for life. Uh, did you know that last year here in Canada, Bill C-7 on euthanasia became law? This means that people who are not dying are now considered eligible for euthanasia. Before, the previous requirement was that a person's death must be reasonably foreseeable in order to be eligible for assisted suicide and euthanasia. But now, that requirement is gone. And then, next year, medical assistance in dying, it's called MAID, medical assistance in dying, this will be available for those with mental illness alone. This has already passed. This is law here in Canada. And I bring this up because, friends, life is a gift from God. And we are called to respect and protect life at all stages because every person's life has worth. Jesus calls us as his followers to love and care for those who are vulnerable. And who are the vulnerable? Well, it's those who are ill, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, the unborn, and those who are near the end of life. Why? It's because we're all made in the image of God regardless of age or ability. And each and every one of us have infinite value and worth, no matter what our culture says. Friends, God is for life, and he is for you. And our last disclaimer is that suicide is a uniquely human problem. Uh, many researchers, it's interesting, uh, they've long looked for an animal model of suicide to try to learn from, but they've failed. Uh, they've actually even tried to put too many rats in a box uh, without enough food. Uh, and they've even chained wild animals to a wall to see if they would harm themselves, but they don't. In fact, have you ever heard of the story of uh, that moose who was walking through the field and he heard a kind of um, some bristling in the, the, the reeds? So he turns around and he sees a hunter. Uh, and usually when the moose would see a hunter, he would bolt because uh, he didn't want to get shot. But when he looked around and saw the hunter, he noticed that the hunter had a moose tag. And when he saw that he had a moose tag, the moose was like, oh, great. Eric finally has his moose tag. You know what? I'm just going to, this is it. This is, I, this is the day that I've been waiting for. I will sacrifice my life for you. You go ahead, shoot me, and I'll die. No, right? Like, it's impossible. Like, that just sounds so ridiculous, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, number one, moose don't talk. Uh, but secondly, animals don't die by suicide. Yet why is this, why is this something that happens with us? Well, that's what we're going to unpack today as we open up the scriptures. Uh, so before we 
open up the scriptures and get started, I just wanted to uh, refer you to three resources. Number one is a book called Hope Always, How to Be a Force for Life in a Culture of Suicide. Uh, this is written by a medical doctor, Dr. Matthew Sleeth. Uh, it's an incredible book. It's such a valuable resource uh, if you have been personally affected by someone who's died by suicide. Okay? Uh, it's, a, it's a great resource. The next one is A Grace Disguised, How the Soul Grows Through Loss by Jerry Sitzer. Uh, if you've experienced loss, and I'm not just talking about loss because of suicide, but if you've just experienced loss uh, because of death in some way, shape, or form, uh, this book is an incredible book. It was so helpful for both Christina and I over the last couple years. Uh, and then the last resource is Access 24 7. Uh, like I said, this is a 24-7 hotline uh, that you can call that Alberta Health Services puts on, 780-424-2424. All right, let's pray. Uh, Lord, as we open up your word and uh, see what you have to say about suicide and what the enemy has to say about suicide, uh, Lord, I pray that you would protect our hearts, our minds, uh, our, our, our souls, our bodies in Christ Jesus. Uh, that we would have ears to hear what you have to say to us specifically. Lord, I pray we would hear your voice. Uh, we recognize that uh, we live in a battle. So right now we silence the voices of the evil one in the name of Jesus. Uh, we silence the attacks and we stop the attacks of the evil one in the name of Jesus Christ. And we pray, um, Holy Spirit, that you would come you would fill us at West, at Southwest, at Fire to Lose, and online. That we would have ears to hear what you have to say to us, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so let's start with our first question. Uh, what does the enemy say about suicide? Well, the enemy has three things that he says about suicide. The pain will last forever. No one will miss you, and you can't be forgiven. Before we walk through these three lies, let's start by describing the core nature of the enemy. And that is that Satan is a deceiver. He's a deceiver. Uh, just take a look at Genesis chapter 3 um, and look here in verses 1 to 6 because Satan here, our enemy, appears as a serpent who deceives Adam and Eve to die by suicide. This is actually where suicide first appears in the scriptures. So verse 1 of chapter 3, Genesis. Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? Uh, the woman said to the serpent, uh, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, you must not eat it or touch it or you will die. No, you will not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Do you see what is happening here? God told Adam and Eve what would happen if they ate the tree from the tree in the middle of the garden. 
And because Satan is a deceiver, he twisted God's words and deceived them to die by suicide. Now, because God is merciful, forgiving, and full of grace, uh, Adam and Eve didn't die the way that we typically think of death, like a physical death where you stop breathing. But, but when you think about it, in a way, they actually did die. Their lives were forever different from what God designed and intended it to be. And they were evicted from the Garden of Eden. Now, consider what it says in Matthew chapter 4. Oh, we actually see the enemy at it again. Chapter 4, verse 5 to 7. Then the devil took him, Jesus, to the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will give his angels orders concerning you, and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And then Jesus told him, it is also written, do not test the Lord your God. Isn't that interesting? The enemy, the deceiver, is trying to convince Jesus to die by suicide. To throw himself off of a building, but he's not successful, which is one of the many reasons, as a side note, why Jesus is called the new Adam. I love how Dr. Matthew Sleeth, uh, the author of Hope Always, points out a pattern in the Bible. He says this, it's a curious thing that even though Satan makes so few personal appearances in scripture, each time he does, he is trying to get someone to kill themselves or someone else. Friends, Satan is a deceiver. Satan is a murderer. He is a liar. He is not only a liar, but he is the father of lies. He is a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan is our adversary. That's who he is. He's a deceiver. All right, so uh, now that we've described the core nature of our enemy, let's address that first question. What does the enemy say about suicide? I mentioned that he says three lies to convince people to die by suicide. So let's start with the first one. His first lie is that this pain will last forever. Do you remember how Rick Warren defined suicide? He said that suicide is a permanent, irreversible attempt to solve a temporary problem. You know, that's why Satan tries to deceive us into believing that the pain or the problem that you might be facing right now is permanent. That's why he tries to make us think that and that it'll last forever. Uh, just think about Job in the Bible. He loses his children. He loses his animals. He loses his health. He loses his wealth. He loses every single thing and then, the, and, then, and then his wife comes and tells him to curse God and die. The enemy wanted him to feel and believe that his pain would last forever. I mean, can you believe that he even used, that the enemy even used Job's wife to try to do this? Because she said, hey, just curse God and die. Friends, the fact of the matter 
is that the enemy wants you to believe that the pain that you're experiencing right now is going to last forever. He wants you to believe that. But you know what? If you just kind of take a step back, um, that's not actually how emotions work, right? I mean, just think about this. No emotion, good or bad, high or low, lasts forever, right? No emotion lasts forever. No circumstance, good or bad, high or low, lasts forever either. I've, I've heard it said that emotions are like waves that come upon our lives. And when they come upon our lives, it feels like we're drenched. It, it affects us. But they eventually do go away. So every time we face this lie that this pain, whatever that pain might be for you, will last forever, I pray and hope that you would respond in the way that Job did in Job 2.10. Should we accept only good from God and not adversity? And throughout all this, Job did not sin in what he said. The second lie that Satan, the deceiver, says to convince people to die by suicide is this. No one will miss you. In 1 Kings 19 we see the way that the enemy speaks this lie to the prophet Elijah. Take a look at this from verse 1. Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, may the gods punish me and do so severely if I don't make your life like the one of them, uh, like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then Elijah became afraid and immediately ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba, that belonged to Judah, he left his servant there. But he went on a day's journey into the wilderness. He sat down under a broom tree and prayed that he might die. He said, I have had enough. Lord, take my life, for I'm no better than my father's. On the one hand, Elijah here believed that his pain would last forever. But on the other hand, when you read through the story, because Elijah is hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, he runs away. He runs away, he isolates himself from everyone, and he starts believing the enemy's lie that no one is going to miss him. So he disappears. Elijah was hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. Experts call this the HALT framework. Uh, and they've discovered that many of our regrettable decisions and actions, including suicide, are made when we're hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. So learning to do a HALT assessment is a powerful skill that we can all benefit from. In fact, before we move on, why don't we just um, self-assess right now, okay? Um, am I hungry? And you know what, I'm not going to show you any pictures of barbecue. So if you're hungry, it's not going to be because of me this week. Right, so am I hungry? It's, it's, it's the first question we've got to ask ourselves. And the next, am I angry? Am I lonely? And then am I tired? You know, if you answered yes to any of these questions, then wait. Take a page from Elijah's book uh, where... He resolved these things, hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, before he made 
a decision. And before you make a permanent decision, resolve these things. In fact, if you read the rest of the story, you'll see that Elijah was, in fact, hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, and he had suicidal thoughts. But instead of acting on the suicidal thoughts, what did he do? He ate. And then he rested. And then he went to God in his anger and his loneliness. And then you know what happened? God met him. Beulah Church family, let's resolve to do the same. Well, the third lie that the enemy says, this deceiver, right, the deceiver that he says to us to try to convince people to die by suicide is that you can't be forgiven. After Judas betrayed Jesus, we see in Matthew 27 that he hung himself and he died by suicide. So what happened? Right? I mean, Judas was one of Jesus' disciples. Judas walked with Jesus journeyed with him, saw him perform miracles, heard all of his teachings, but then he killed himself. Why? Let's go back to our definition of suicide. Suicide is a permanent, irreversible attempt to solve what? A temporary problem. Because Judas listened to Satan's lie that you can't be forgiven and that this pain will last forever, Judas made a permanent decision to solve a temporary problem. Friends, when Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the grave, he created a pathway for the forgiveness of our sins. Right, for the forgiveness of our sins that we committed to solve temporary problems and the sins that we've committed to based on temporary feelings. Jesus died to forgive us. So don't ever let the enemy convince you that your sins are unforgivable. Or that the sin you've committed is too great and that you're beyond forgiveness. Friends, don't listen to the enemy. It's a lie from the pit of hell. So if those are three lies that the enemy says about suicide, let's answer our next question. What does God say about suicide? Well, to answer this, let's take a look at uh, a suicide attempt in Acts chapter 16, starting from verse 25. After midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains came loose. When the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison standing open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself, since he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul called out in a loud voice, don't harm yourself because we're all here. What does God say about suicide? Don't harm yourself because we're all here. The jailer was about to make a permanent, irreversible decision to solve a temporary problem. So when I reflect on this question, Right, what does God say about suicide? This is what he says about suicide. Don't harm yourself. 
Because we're all here. The NLT translation says this. Stop. Don't kill yourself. We're all here. Don't make a permanent, irreversible decision based on a lie from the enemy. Because no matter how big the problem might seem to you right now, you don't have to die to end the pain or to resolve what you're experiencing right now. Don't harm yourself. Because we're all here. I just look around the room. We're all here. We are a church family. We are wired for relationships. We are better together. God never meant for any of us to walk and live alone. So find someone that you can trust and tell them how you're feeling. If you have suicidal thoughts, then please call Access 24-7-780-424-2424. Please call Access 24-7 right after the service. And then I want to encourage you to join an incredible ministry we have here on Thursdays called Celebrate Recovery. To join a community of individuals who are experiencing freedom from their hurts, hang-ups, and habits that are controlling their lives. And lastly, if you want someone to pray with you today, uh, then please, at the end of our service, come to the front. Myself and a few others are going to be here uh, to pray with you. You can also call the church office during the week, too. But whatever you do, don't walk this alone. Right? Don't harm yourself, because we're all here. Have you ever, have any of you ever gone to the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco? Yeah, I mean, just, if, if you haven't, it's, it's, you've seen it in movies, right? It's gorgeous. It's, um, in, in person when I went there, it was just breathtaking. I, I've seen a, it portrayed in movies quite a bit, but when I saw it in person, it was just so much grander, and, and it was just so beautiful, the surroundings in and around it. Uh, but... As beautiful as this place is, it's also a place where more than 1,700 people have jumped off of it trying to kill themselves, uh, and 25 have survived. Kevin Hines is one of the survivors, uh, and here's what he says about it. Jump now, said the voice in Kevin Hines' head, and I did. I was compelled to die. Hines leaped over a rail on the Golden Gate Bridge in September of 2000 and began a free fall that would reach 75 miles per hour on impact. The moment his fingers left the railing, he felt instant regret. I thought it was too late, I said to myself. What have I done? I don't want to die, says Heinz, now 38. I realized I made the greatest mistake of my life. He survived, uh, but he crushed his spinal vertebrae and broke his ankle. Another survivor after letting go of the railing, immediately thought to himself, what am I doing? This is the worst thing that I could do in my life. He instantly thought of his wife and his daughter, and he didn't want to die. And he recalls, get this, he recalls realizing that everything he thought was unfixable as he was falling became totally fixable, except for having just jumped. Friends, what does God say about suicide? Don't harm yourself 
Don't kill yourself because we're all here. Don't make a permanent, irreversible decision based on a temporary feeling. So no matter what you're feeling, it won't last forever. So let's move on to our third and final question. Is suicide the unforgivable sin? If you have a loved one who has died by suicide, you've probably wondered this. Uh, You might have Googled it. You might have thought about this. And maybe you're wondering right now, where are they? Well, let me read Dr. Matthew Sleeth's answer to this question. This is from his book, Hope Always, How to Be a Force for Life in a Culture of Suicide. This is what he says. Through my speaking on suicide and interacting with people, I'm often asked something like, is suicide an unforgivable sin, or is the person who I I love who committed suicide in heaven? And I have to answer, I don't know. While I believe that many who die by suicide are not in their right mind, and thus I believe less culpable, only God knows the state of our souls. And as I said above, it is for Christ to judge, not me. In the past, the Roman Catholic Church has pronounced suicide an unforgivable sin. The reasoning was that a person must confess their sins in order for those sins to be forgiven. The sixth commandment tells us not to kill. The commandment could just easily say, thou shalt not kill thyself. Most would agree that in the scheme of things, murder is a serious business. To murder oneself, therefore, is a sin. And by definition, one cannot confess this sin. Yet, uh, more than one suicide note includes the phrase, God forgive me. So while this has been the traditional view, I do not think that I can speak for the Lord here. All of us must throw ourselves on the mercy of Christ at Judgment Day. And I suspect that even popes and saints have a sin or two that they forgot to mention in the confessional. Does that mean that none of us will get to heaven? Peter, quoting Proverbs, tells us that the just are barely saved. 1 Peter 4.18 So what about those who've killed themselves? I believe there's hope for those who have died by suicide and who have placed their trust in Jesus. That being said, the Bible holds out little or no hope for those who knew of Christ and rejected him in this life, regardless of how they exited this planet. So as we consider the question of is is suicide an unforgivable sin, I think it is wise to be prudent. Jesus is merciful, but suicide is a sin. It is disobeying God, who is for life, and suicide harms others, perhaps even for generations. Suicide is an act in which there is no turning back. So if you know someone who is contemplating suicide and is also concerned about judgment, they should be. Because life and death is not a game. It's a matter of life and death, end quote. Friends, um, there's only one unforgivable sin in the Bible, and it's not suicide. It's rejecting the free gift of grace and forgiveness offered to us by Jesus Christ. So if you reject Jesus Christ, then your eternal destiny is hell, condemnation, suffering, fire, and the pain of death on repeat over and over and over again. But if you follow Jesus and we read in the Bible 
that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, nothing, absolutely nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. As followers of Jesus, we are forgiven and we are loved. But we read in the scriptures, on the other hand, that we are to fear God and we are to keep his commands. We read Romans 8, but take a look at Ecclesiastes 12. When all has been heard, the conclusion of the matter is this, fear God and keep his commands. Because this is for all humanity. For God will bring every act to judgment, including every hidden thing whether good or evil. Friends, we need to hold these in tension. We need to hold Romans 8, 38 to 39 and Ecclesiastes 12, 13 to 14 in tension. We need to hold the love of God and the fear of God in tension. We need to hold the grace of Jesus and the consequences of our actions in tension. We need to hold forgiveness and judgment in tension. We need to hold the fact that we are fearfully and wonderfully made and that we live in a fallen world in tension. And we need to hold the fact that God is for life and Satan is for death in tension. I recognize Uh, that today's message might have triggered some intense, uh, perhaps very emotional and overwhelming reactions for you. So you know what it did for me? This is one of the hardest messages I've ever had to prepare. Because I recognize that there are many of you today, right now, that are grieving, still grieving, the loss of a loved one who's died by suicide. If you're not grieving it, you're affected by it. And there might be some of you who might have suicidal thoughts yourself too. So this is why I want us to end our time together by going to the cross. I want us to end our time together with a moment of worship, prayer, and response. I want us to go to Jesus, who is our Savior, our Sanctifier, our healer, and our coming king. If you feel like the walls of grief, despair, and pain are too thick to handle, then I want to remind you that there's neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to ever separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, there's no wall too thick that Jesus can't penetrate. There's no door too heavy that Jesus can't open. There's no pain too great that Jesus can't heal. And there's no shame too severe that Jesus can't overcome. So no matter what you might be feeling right now, let's hear the words of God, which are, don't harm yourself. Stop. Don't kill yourself. Because we're all here. So let's come to Jesus right now.